Hi there, listener, and welcome to this ski podcast special, which is an interview with James Wilcox from the company Untamed Borders about skiing in Afghanistan. In our conversation, we talk about the Afghan Ski Challenge and the Afghan Sports Trust and really the history of skiing in Afghanistan. Uh, James has been operating there since 2011. It's a really interesting story and it's a place that I'll certainly be adding to my ever-expanding bucket list. Maybe you will be too. I'm here today with James Wilcox, who is the founder of Untamed Borders, and we're going to be finding out a little bit more about what they uh, do. How are you, James? Very good, Ian. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me on. Well, I, I wanted to have you on because I saw a really interesting article in the paper the other day about women skiing in Afghanistan. It led me down, as sometimes these things happen, a rabbit hole of all sorts of searches and things. And I discovered that your uh, company, Untamed Borders, offer skiing to Afghanistan, and you've been doing it for quite a long time. Um, yeah, so so my company, um, and I know what you mean about the rabbit holes at the moment during COVID. You can uh, There's not much else to do, so uh, going down a... <laughs> A bit of a Wikipedia rabbit hole. There's probably worse things to be doing with your time uh, uh, in the last 12 months. But yeah, my company, uh, Untamed Borders, we organize travel to areas of Central Asia, the Middle East and East Africa and Russia. And that includes Afghanistan. In fact, we, we began in Afghanistan and Pakistan. That was in 2007, 2008. And since then, well, and we started offering ski trips in 2011. So this year, literally earlier this month, um, we completed our sort of 11th ski season. It's COVID, so we only had three skiers go out to Afghanistan this year. But still, despite all of the problems, yeah, we've managed to arrange uh, ski trips for the last 11 years uh, in Afghanistan. And also we arrange ski trips in Iraq as well, uh, which we started in 2016. That, I mean, you may have only had three skiers, but many of the listeners to the podcast here won't have got any skiing in at all this winter. So the idea that uh, people managed to get out to Afghanistan is exciting in in lots of different counts. Which which areas of Afghanistan would you be taking people to? And I guess the key question is probably, you know, someone listening would think, well, is it safe? Um, I mean, to start off about in in general in uh, Afghanistan, most of the I mean, safety is not a it's not a, a binary thing. You know, it's not that places are safe or places are not safe. Um, but certainly there are large parts of Afghanistan which we consider um, we think the security is not good enough for us to take people there in any sort of capacity, let alone skiing. Um, so we offer different types of trips to Afghanistan. So our sort of cultural trips, um, there's a number of different cities that we're happy to guide in, but we don't spend a huge amount of time sort of wandering the streets. Uh, we go to different areas. We often don't spend, you know, huge amounts of time. But um, Afghanistan is a country that has a lot of different religious and ethnic uh, groups. And so that kind of means why some of the areas are extremely dangerous. And there's a few areas of the country, three really, where it's even possible to consider organizing outdoor activities. Now, one is the far northeast of the country. There's this tiny strip of land called the, the Wakhan Corridor, wedged between Tajikistan and Pakistan. That's one of the areas. Uh, there's another area called the Panjshir Valley, which is north of Kabul. That's another area. Uh, we've had we've organised a little bit of skiing in either of those, but the place that we mainly organise skiing is called Bamiyan, which is in the centre of Afghanistan. And the reason those three areas it's possible to do these kind of outdoor activities is because they're all uh, 
the people that live in those areas are minority groups. And in the case of the Wakan and Bamiyan, they're of a religious minority as well as an ethnic minority. And they're remote rural areas. So if we relate it to the UK, if you can imagine there's big issues between, you know, Lancastrians and, uh, and Yorkshiremen and people from the south and the southwest, and there's a small valley in northern Scotland that nobody really cares about. Well, you can imagine, you could probably go up there and ski and do whatever you wanted and just avoid all the problems in the rest of the UK. Um, so it's a little bit it's a little bit like that. And in, in Bamiyan, we also organise a, uh, a marathon. We've organised hiking. And in the Pancha Valley, we've organised a, a, a kayaking trip, which you just wouldn't even be able to consider doing in most of the rest of the country. But in these small areas, um, with a little bit of precautions, it's it's possible. Right. Well, OK. I mean, it sounds fascinating. I'm, I'm assuming that uh, uh, you're predominantly ski touring rather than using any fixed lifts. Absolutely. So until two years ago, there were no lifts at all um, in Afghanistan. So it's all ski touring. Um, so, but two years ago, um, a small tow lift was, was built using a motorbike um and a wheelbarrow to, to you know at the top motorbike in the bottom um some thick rope and people were pulled up this year it was upgraded and a kind of you don't really know you might <laughs> depends where you've traveled in the world you may not have seen them but they're a little bit like a tuk-tuk but a sort of transport tuk-tuk for goods so one of those has been converted to and it can now pull up to sort of three people and has kind of two speeds so a couple of people get on and then they kind of are, are pulled up so that is um, the extent of the lifts in Afghanistan, but it's a ski touring area. I mean, you know, that's the joy of ski touring is you can, well, safety wise apart, you can go where you want. And like, you know, the Hindu Kush mountains, they're kind of designed for that. You know, they're, they're, they're rugged, they're raw um, to go ski touring is, is, is kind of what it's all about. And what kind of altitudes are we talking about for staying overnight and then going up to? Well, in Bamiyan, um, the town is at, is at two and a half thousand meters. Um, so that's where most of the, occasionally people will camp out or stay in villages, but usually we would return there every night. Um, and I, I, if we had a map, uh, we'd be able to show you. But from the town of Bamiyan, there's a number of small side valleys that head to the south into the Koei Baba Mountains. So there's about nine or 10 of those valleys. So it, depending on which one you choose, there's a drive between sort of 20 minutes and 45 minutes to the final village. And that's going to be closer to 3,000 metres. So, you know, between 2,900, 3,200 metres, depends on the village. And then the top of the Koei Baba Mountains are about 5,000 metres. But most of the ski touring takes place between three and usually tops 4,000 metres. Depends exactly what's going on. So it's pretty high. Yeah. People that come in, you know, have a night in Kabul, then fly out to Bamiyan, you know, a couple of nights, and then you're, you're ski touring at... Um, at over 10,000, starting at 10,000 feet, those first couple of days can be, um, yeah, <laughs> can be challenging. But uh, yeah, that, that's where, I mean, that's that's where the, the snow is. And it, the season can go on fairly late if you keep sort of pushing higher up because, you know, at that altitude, especially on um, north-facing slopes, it takes a long time to melt. Yeah, I went out to uh, Morocco a few years ago where we were ski touring uh, with my brother and most of... Uh, uh, can't exactly remember now. I think we stayed in a refuge. It was 3,000 metres and we were touring up to about 4,000 metres. Um, 
the snow cover wasn't particularly good when we were there. What's the snow record like for uh, those areas, Bamiyan and Afghanistan? It was pretty bad. It wasn't great this winter. Um, because you're so high up, I, what, what can I say? Once you get up to that sort of 3,000, 4,000 meters, the, the snow covering is generally fine. You know, there's, a, there's enough up there. It very much varies. Like Afghanistan doesn't see a lot of precipitation generally throughout the year. So if you're there in the summer, the autumn, you, you won't really see it rain. So all of the water for irrigation um, comes in the winter, comes as snow basically in the winter. So however much our skiers complain that, you know, the snow might be not that good this year, you know, the farmers, it's much, it's much worse for basically Afghanistan if there's yeah. that much snow. Um, so it, it does vary from winter to winter, uh, but it, I'd say it's, it's probably a touch better than Morocco, but similar kind of, um, it's probably a similar kind of experience. It depends what time you go. I mean, if you go between end of Jan to about now, about end of March, that's a good time. You're going to have some sort of reasonable snow and you can always keep going further up. That's the thing with those mountains, you know, if, if, uh if you know this later on in the season you can always find a little bit more uh you know some sort of spring skiing conditions but in afghanistan there's a lot of central asia once it gets to the spring equinox you know the persian new year is in three days time on the 21st of march um once you get to the spring equinox the weather the, the, the seasons change very quickly it goes from winter to summer in a couple of weeks so this time like the end of march is really the time when you know the, the, the skiing is going to stop yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it, it didn't really matter to me too much on that particular Morocco trip, because what you're going for is not necessarily the the snow, it's the whole experience. And I would imagine that's probably the reason that, you know, your various customers have gone with you to Afghanistan over the years, just an opportunity to be immersed and to enjoy skiing in a completely different culture. Absolutely. I mean, the fact you've decided to go skiing in Morocco, you know, there is a sort of Venn diagram of people that want to go backcountry skiing and people that like to go to interesting places. And somewhere where they cross, the idea of going skiing in Afghanistan is is perfect. It's like that you're 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 all in. For the other ninety nine percent of the popul the world, they think it's a crazy idea, possibly on both levels, ski touring and uh, and Afghanistan. But yeah, if the majority of the people that come skiing, it's it, yeah, it's that combination. It's something that's new. It's something that is an adventure. It's to see some of the culture. Sometimes people stay on a bit longer to see other parts of the country. And also, you know, people have seen some of the sort of images, some of the, the stories. You know, the skiing in Afghanistan has been reported a little bit over the over the last decade in, in, a, well, in a couple of sort of films, in a couple of documentaries and in newspaper articles. So people have picked one up and they've just been like, you know, I've, I've got to get out there. This is probably a, a good opportunity to actually ask you. I had um, the CEO of Battleface Travel Insurance on the podcast a while ago, and I'll drop a link to that into the show notes. But uh, that particular insurance is available if you're traveling to a country where the foreign office advises against non-essential travel. I'm assuming that that's the situation for Afghanistan, is it? Yeah, well, I mean, during these COVID times, I think it's the situation for everywhere in the world. And I imagine Battleface are doing, doing a roaring trade. But um, you're right. The the majority of um, the, the the government does advise, even in normal times, against uh, travel to Afghanistan, as they do for a number of parts of the world. Um, 
And just for the on the insurance uh, point of view, the majority of normal travel insurance, as soon as there is that warning, it's null and void. So even if you you're the reason that you need to claim is because you got some food poisoning or you tripped over and you fell down some stairs or you got hit by a bus, it will be null and void because there's some insurgency going on in another part of the country. So I think what Battleface do is, you know, they look at that practically and say, look, we can offer insurance. We can offer um, insurance even for things like skiing um, because, you know, the, the, the risk for uh the actual kind of insurgency issue is is, is minimal. So they are a, yeah. uh, a specialist. But you're right. I mean, somewhere to Afghanistan, the government advises um, against all but uh, essential travel or against all travel uh, to certain parts of the country. Um, it's not that we don't take that advice seriously. Of course we do. Um, but we get much more sort of nuanced information, security information about what goes on in the country both from organizations that provide um, reports and real-time information to businesses and development organizations that work in Afghanistan, but also from the contacts that we have from, you know, working there for over a dozen years, uh, drivers, um, all of the friends that we have. I mean, we, you know, it just all creates a picture of what's possible, what's not possible. And of course, we update that. We sometimes change things. Um, in the times that we've worked in Afghanistan, we've yeah, we've adapted how we've worked. We've we've changed where we go. We fly to more places than we used to, rather than we used to drive. We're, we're constantly sort of updating um, and refining how we work. Yeah, and uh, you know, some people probably don't really think about it uh, too much. But my my brother actually lived out in Afghanistan uh, not so long ago, um, maybe fifteen years ago now, something like that. Uh, his uh, partner at the time was working for Reuters as a uh, journalist and uh, he was living out there with her. And, you know, you forget that it actually is possible to go to these countries and travel around, etc. But there are some good reasons for heading out there, apart from just, you know, the opportunity to uh, go ski touring in Bamiyan. I noticed that one of the uh, trips that you organise is specifically to join in on an event called the Afghan Ski Challenge. I wondered if you could tell me about that, James. Well, the Afghan Ski Challenge, I mean, to, I'll, I'm going to take a, a little bit of a step back before yeah. the Afghan Ski Challenge, um, because the Afghan Ski Challenge is, is is part of how the sort of ski development of ski tourism and skiing in Afghanistan even um, sort of began. So back in uh, 2009, I met an expat um, who was working in Kabul, uh, rather like your friend, and he is basically every, not every weekend, but most weekends in the winter. He, uh, some British and some French uh, expats who used to who skied, would travel up to a place called the Salang Pass, which is a couple of hours drive north of Kabul. And they'd drive up to the top of the pass, and then kind of ski tour a little bit up further up, and then ski down. And this used to be, you know, a great uh, sort of weekend activity, get away from Kabul, especially in the winter. And I met him and he said, if I was serious about being a, an Afghan tour operator, I should offer a ski trip. So he said he would take a week off work if I brought some tourists over and he'd guide them. He used to be a ski guide in, in Europe. So I said, look, this sounds like a great idea. So in 2011, we had, again, three ski tourists uh, came over and, and he guided them. Now, at the same time, there was a, an organization uh, well, in, in Bamiyan. The New Zealand Army had been based in Bamiyan. Each province had a, a different uh, 
a different country basically looked after uh, different provinces. The UK um, was based in Helmand province, which is often why Helmand province is quite well known in the UK as, as, as a place in Afghanistan. That was where there was a lot of difficult fighting. Now, the New Zealanders, they were part of the coalition, but they didn't really want to be part of the coalition. So they got given Bamiyan, which is why I've explained that Bamiyan is quite a peaceful place, and that's why we can go and do the skiing. Now, when they left, they uh, left different types of money for different development programs, and one of which um, was a tourism development program. And it was implemented by an organization called the Aga Khan Foundation. And the spokesman for the Aga Khan Foundation was a friend of my friend who went, and they went skiing north of Kabul. So any tourism development organization, he was like, well, what happens in the winter? Nothing happens in Bamiyan in the winter. It's in the mountains. Mm -hmm. So in the summer, people go up there. There's these beautiful lakes at a place called Bandi Amir. Um, there's a lot of old um, Buddhist historical um, archaeological sites. It's, it's, it's fantastic. But in the winter, nothing happens. So he persuaded them to implement a winter tourism section to that project. So that happened at exactly the same time as we were bringing our first tourists over. And it also at the same time, in 2010, a Swiss journalist called Christoph Zürcher um, was stuck in Bamiyan in the winter. He couldn't fly out. And he's Swiss, so he's stuck in the mountains. There's lots of snow. So, of course, what does he do? He looks for a pair of skis. But there were no skis to be found in Bamiyan. He couldn't find anything anywhere. So he promised himself that if he came back, he would bring everyone. He'd bring like 10 or, 12, I think, 10 sets of skis. He'd have a, have a, it train some people to ski, and it would organize a ski race. So in 2011, in the same year that we did our first ski trip, and when this uh, project was beginning, Christoph organized the first Afghan ski challenge. Well, this was all kind of going on separately. There wasn't a lot of interaction. But after 2011, we all kind of met and said, okay, we need to kind of try and um, collaborate on this. So we offer packages um, to the uh, Afghan ski challenge, uh, which you know is there to help train people to ski. The Aga Khan Foundation no longer is involved because that project is finished, but there's a, a big sort of um, idea of collaboration between different organizations. And so the ski race has happened every year. Um, this is its uh, <clears throat> also its 11th year. And and it's not organized really by Christoph anymore. It's, you know, it's taken on by Ali Shah and Sajad, who are the two best skiers in Afghanistan. Um, if anyone wants to look further, there's a film called Where the Light Shines. I don't know if you're able to. Yeah, I can your... drop it into the show notes. Yeah, that would be amazing. Where the Light Shines is a film which documents Ali Shah and Sajad in there. Because when I first met them, they they had both been skiing for less than a month, I think. And it's their story of trying to become the first Afghan Winter Olympians uh, at Pyeongchang in 2018. I can't remember where yep. it was, in Korea in 2018. Um, I won't tell you whether they made it or not, but it's definitely um, it's definitely well worth a look. And they organize the um, the Afghan Ski Challenge every year now in, uh, in Bamiyan. So that's the story of the challenge and also the story of how kind of skiing... Right. And, and, and what began. is the challenge? What it, what It's a ski touring... Uh, it's right. just right? yeah it's a ski touring race so it's not a timed i mean it is a timed event but it's a mass it's a mass start yeah so it's basically the course is the course is not the same each year so i can't say exactly what the course is each time um there was one year where it, it was a mass downhill start and <laughs> then a transition to go up and then a sort of you know then a downhill slalom back but I mean, thankfully, no one was seriously injured in the mass downhill <laughs> start. But it was decided 
Um, it was decided not to repeat that because it was quite, um, it really was quite dangerous. Um, but it's basically, yeah, it, it's, it's not a huge ski touring event. I mean, the distance of the ascent, I mean, the altitude gain of ascent has, has varied throughout the years from about 400, 500 meters to maybe 800, 900 meters. So it's, 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 it's a reasonable effort. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's all about the uphill. Um, and and, and it's, it's the altitude as well. So, and it's know, altitude. Really, yeah. And it's never been won by a non-Afghan. Even in uh, the early years when most of the Afghan guys, you know, they were novice skiers, they were finished, even if they had, to, you know, even if they fell like 20 times coming down before the first international had got. A couple of international people have come second, but no, no one from outside Afghanistan has ever won the Afghan Ski Challenge. Right. Okay. But typically, um, I think uh, I, I had a look on the, the website and it said that you might have about 50 people taking part, maybe half of them are from overseas, half of them domestic. Yeah, it's, it, it, it varies. I would say those numbers have, have shifted more. There's a lot more um, Afghan people taking part. Uh, Great. Part of that reason is more people know how to ski. So as part of Christoph's um, part of the kind of the ski project it was supported by different people for three years it was spo sponsored by Volkel the uh, Swiss uh, ski manufacturer they helped yeah. support Ali Shan Sajad to go to try and go to the Winter Olympics and each year there would be a ski school one two ski schools one for boys and one for girls and uh, the boys would each I talked about those valleys these kind of 10 valleys heading south out of Bamiya and there would be one person from each of those villages uh, who would get trained in the ski school and then they would um, take part in in the Afghan ski ski challenge. Brilliant. And when this was happening, when skiers, you know, started skiing in these villages, all the kids wanted to ski as well. But there wasn't that much equipment. So someone from the, you know, one of the dads in the villages would make skis out of uh, would make wooden skis. So they would have kind of like tin cans for you know bashed out for edges. And just made of wood and these kind of different types of bindings. Um, I mean, there's some great photos some of the internet of these early kind of ski, ski, skis. Um, but sometime in 2016, 2017, um, the Slovenian army, which was based in the province next door, uh, they were they were moving out. You know, a lot of the international troops moved out of Afghanistan around that time, and they were bringing containers over to move their equipment out. And I, we're not, I can't even remember exactly how it happened, but there was a sort of a, donations of old ski and winter equipment were put in one of these containers to go out to Afghanistan and was distributed to the to Ali Shan Sajad and the guys in uh, in Bamiyan. And then they distributed this to all of the villages where for, you know, five or six years, people had trained and the kids had learned to ski on these wooden skis. So all of this sort of vintage Slovenian ski equipment is now up in the mountains and people ski all the time on it. And so... There's a lot more competitors because a lot more people have equipment. And if they can get to the race, people will compete in the race. So now it's more like 100, 110 right. uh, skiers. And the vast majority are, are Afghan guys from the from the mountains. Right. OK. And the skis that were donated, were they specifically touring skis with touring bindings? Or do people carry their skis if they're just regular? It's a, It's everything. It's like, uh, you can imagine, no, if you just went around and just said, donate all your old stuff, that's what it, <laughs> like, it's, it's everything. Cross-country skis, um, yeah, like, everything, <laughs> everything you can imagine. It doesn't all work together, but like, you know, you can, 
you can make bindings work. You can rope it up or do whatever that, you want. So that's just all sorts that's, of stuff. That's just so good. And this is all part of the um, the the Bamian Bamian uh, Ski Club. Uh, you know, is involved in organising the ski challenge and also teaching uh, locals to to ski as well. It, it all goes through the Bamian Ski Club. Is that right? Yeah, so the Bamian Ski Club, it was set up by um, Christoph with Sajad and Ali Shah. So, um, it's yeah, it's it's based in, um, in, yeah, in Bamian. It actually had, and this sounds hard, like I'm making it up, it actually had a pop-up bar for three years in uh, San Moritz, which um, which was also called the Bamian Ski Club. Yeah, well, I where... saw it on their website. It says it's supported <laughs> by Volkel and San Moritz, which it wasn't the immediate uh, kind of partner I would have imagined. Well, yeah, I remember when I... Because when Ali Shah and Sajad first went to San Moritz to, for, for ski training, um, you know, I'd, I'd been with them in, in Bamiyan for a number of years. And it's, it's you know, I think I've painted a little bit of a picture of what, 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 what Bamiyan is like and the equipment and people on wooden skis. And I went to see them. And, you know, you're on the piste in San Moritz and there's a, a high, high-end, like there's a, a sports car, I don't know, it's a Ferrari or Lamborghini in a glass box. Do you know what I mean? Halfway up the mountain. Like this is San Moritz, isn't it? It's, it's insane. And they end up, you know, they end up at the sort of fanciest uh, ski resort in, uh, in, uh, in, in Europe to uh, to <laughs> to learn to ski, um, but but it was interesting that they were in, they were in Samaritz because Samaritz was where kind of winter tourism started in in Europe. It was the British going to Samaritz who would they go there in the summer and then the hotel owner certainly this is the story isn't it the hotel owner there was like oh come in the winter you're going to love it and then the British went and started you know introducing skiing and tobogganing and all of this so so winter tourism comes from there so the idea of then a lo- another bunch of foreigners not the british going to samaritz but the swiss going to um afghanistan and introducing winter tourism kind of it's a bit like so the history repeating itself so perhaps there is a bit of a, a sort of you know something in uh, in 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 that setup for sure and i think i'm right in saying that you're also involved with an organization called the afghan sports trust which it seems to me having looked at, around it is obviously trying to give opportunities to uh, people in afghanistan through donations to skis and things like that uh, to be able to to just try and take on different sports could you tell us a bit about that yeah, so the Afghan Sports Trust, um, I'll, I'll give another bit of a background to, ha- to, to, to how it was founded. And then, you know, that leads into what its aims are. Um, <clears throat> so we, I talked a little bit about the Afghan Ski Challenge and it, the Afghan Ski Challenge was great. I mean, it was a, it was an event that attracted a few international people, but it also it was good for Bamiyan. You know, I was saying how. People really wanted to compete in it. It was also good for Afghanistan that there were people like yourself who look and see, oh, look, there's a ski race in Afghanistan. Perhaps my perception of Afghanistan has changed slightly. You know, it's not just about war and conservatism and all of these kind of things. There's other things going on. And one of the other guy, a guy called Gul Hussein, um, came to me, I think in 2015, in the, with the winter of 2015, was like, look, we should... There should be something else here. There should be something in the summer. We should do have a marathon. We should organize a marathon. I didn't know anything about marathons. Um, it seemed like a good idea, but 
you know, a good idea on its own isn't is is, is worth nothing. But there was another guy called James, a guy called James Bingham, and he had been to Afghanistan a few times on on climbing expeditions, and he organises an ultramarathon on the Isle of Anglesey called the Ring of Fire. And I was like, maybe we should ask, you know, we should ask him. He would be able to give us some tips. <clears throat> and it turns out he was kind of looking for a new challenge. So we, <clears throat> excuse me, in the autumn of 2015, organized the first uh, marathon of Afghanistan. And that has continued. And in 2020, despite COVID, um, that again took place. There was a, there's a 10 kilometer race and there's a marathon. And we had, um, well, in 2019, we had almost 750 runners across the two uh, events. And that, that's, but that's been really um, amazing as well. But within that, um, you know, there's lots of other, you know, people do support the Bamiyan Ski Club a bit and they do support the Marathon of Afghanistan a bit, but there's all these other small grassroots sporting clubs in Afghanistan that could do with having their story told a little bit more and also could do with a little bit of a, a little bit of help. Do you know what I mean? Not that much, yeah. but just like to pay for like a minibus, you know, once a week to go off and do their sports for a while, like these kind of things. And there's a huge amount of people in the UK or around the world that love sport that would love to be able to say, look, here's, I'm going to do, I'm going to take part in a virtual race or a real race or something. And I know that that money is going to help people do sport in another country where it, it's it's really, you know, it's more like Afghanistan. So James, uh, with the assistance of myself and a few other people, set up the Afghan Sports Trust as kind of an umbrella organization to link um people that are interested in Afghanistan or have been to Afghanistan skiing or running or all of these kind of things, or have maybe worked there uh, to sort of be a conduit to link those people with, you know, grassroots sports in Afghanistan that needs a little bit of help. Um, and to link back to the skiing, I think this is how you actually contacted me. The Bamiyan Sports Club gave a grant uh, to, sorry, the Afghan Sports Club gave a grant to the Bamiyan Ski Club um to enable them to do their women's uh, ski training program this winter which is which is which is great yeah i mean you know I, i'll put a link to the uh, afghan sports trust in the show notes uh, as well and people can have a look and and see uh, exactly what work you do but uh, obviously the ski club you know training female skiers this winter the marathon of afghanistan and then i see that there's um also uh, parkour and stand up paddle boarding and um events for para athletes as well so there's loads of great things on there and there's an opportunity either to uh, to donate or to um you know, maybe go along and, and join in some of those events as well. So, I mean, it seems that we've obviously literally just kind of uh, scratched the surface, but it sounds so, so interesting. As you said, you identified the fact that I've been to, you know, Morocco and I'm interested in trying different challenges. I kind of have, um, personally, I have a kind of sort of flight limit of how many flights I'm allowing myself a year, which is one. <laughs> uh, so, I have to think carefully about how I'm going to do it. And I was thinking about Pakistan um, a little while ago, but this this sounds very tempting as well. So I really appreciate you um, taking your time, uh, James, to to share all of that with us today. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, some of our listeners will end up uh, joining you on one of your trips or maybe in the Afghan uh, Ski Challenge in the future. So um, thank you very much for your time and, and all of us for this winter. Thanks for having me, and uh, we'd love to see you um, out in the out in the Hindu Kush sometime in the next couple of years. Thank you.
Hi there, listener. Ian here. I just wanted to let you know that you can now support the ski podcast at buymeacoffee.com. This blank season has been a tough winter for all snow lovers. I've spent a lot of time and put in a lot of effort to try and give you an episode every week through this winter to give you your taste of snow, even if we can't go out there ourselves. Now, I do it anyway because I love skiing, but if you do enjoy the ski podcast and you'd like to support us, then you can literally buy me a coffee, or in my case, a tea, at buymeacoffee.com. Just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ski podcast. Thanks very much.